Well, going through Luke's gospel then, the astonishing things that Jesus Christ said and did is our focus inevitably going through one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Well, verse 17 of Luke chapter 5, on one of those days, those days, Jesus is still in Capernaum. When he'd been in Nazareth, his hometown, and preaching in the synagogue there, uh, the congregation had challenged him. They'd heard all that Jesus had been doing in Capernaum, and they wanted him to do the same in Nazareth. They were treating him with contempt. We know who he is. He's the carpenter's son. He's Joseph's son. And they say in chapter 4 and verse 23, Do hear in your hometown as well what you did at Capernaum. And uh, Jesus condemns them for looking for signs and they drive him out of the synagogue and up a hill and they would have killed him but it wasn't his time it wasn't the place and he went through their midst but Luke now takes a couple of chapters telling us exactly what had been happening in Capernaum and in chapter 4 verses 31 to 37 uh, Luke fills us in about the demon possessed man having the demon cast out in the synagogue and then after the morning service Jesus goes to Peter's home and there Peter's mother-in-law she's unwell she has a high fever and Jesus heals her and then in the evening as the Sabbath ends the sun goes down uh, many gather and they're healed of their various diseases and sicknesses then into chapter 5 still Capernaum and on the shores of the Sea of Galilee there's the miraculous catch of fish and Jesus says to Peter and his disciples I'm going to make you fishers of men let's never forget the focus for a Christian uh, what are we all about in the words of uh, Wesley in that great hymn tis all my business here below to cry behold the lamb some of us are uh, more open and upfront in speaking. Others, our lives display. It should be both, but there are, there's a spectrum there as to where we, uh, where we fit in. But we need to be on task constantly. We are fishers of men. And then last Sunday when I was uh, here, we looked at uh, the healing of the leper, again in the regions of Capernaum. But now, here we are then, chapter 5, Verses 17 through to 27, we have the healing of the paralyzed man. Now, I've got a, a number of letter P's to help us remember uh, the uh, sequence of these events as they're revealed in Luke's gospel. Uh, Matthew and uh, Mark also speak of this uh, wonderful miracle. I've got a number of P's. We won't get all the way through this morning. Uh, we'll get around about halfway through in these letter P's. But the first letter P I want to uh, bring before us is just to paint the picture. Uh, the picture of what is happening. To get it clear in our mind's eye, the events on this particular day. On one of those days, says Luke, as he, that's Jesus, was teaching, 
Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Now there were others, Mark tells us, it was a, a vast congregation and it included Pharisees and teachers of the law. But Luke tells us this, I don't know if you notice as I read it, I'll read it again. There were teachers and Pharisees and they were sitting there. Who had come from every village of Galilee, that's up north, and Judea, that's down south, and from Jerusalem, that's headquarters. There we are, capital city. So news of Jesus and what he's doing at Capernaum has really got around. And as well as the crowds gathering, now the religious authorities uh, want to look in and uh, hear what is being said and run the rule over Jesus Christ. Is he quite kosher? Can we accept him? What is he saying and what is he doing? So all the people are gathering. It includes the religious authorities from the north, the south and from Jerusalem as well. It's quite an occasion. Uh, it's, let me just read what Mark says about it. Mark 2 and verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Well, it must have been quite a sight. He's in a home. And I want you to picture this particular home. It would be a single story home. It would have a flat roof. There's be a, a stairway outside leading up to the flat roof. There are windows. There's a doorway. Can you picture this? Jesus is teaching. People want to hear. And so they pack into the home. If it's a little bit like the downstairs here, I don't know how big the home was. At uh, one end, there'd be a, a raised dais where the people would normally sleep, and I'm sure the religious authorities take their place on the raised dais. And Jesus is teaching, the room is packed. Can you see the windows? There are heads crammed in at the windows. Can you see the doorway? Have a look around. There's the, it is heaving at the doorway as well. I'm sure up the little drive and into the garden, uh, if it had one. Uh, it is a packed situation and Jesus is teaching. And I want you to note this, the end of verse 17, Luke adds this, it's uh, not often he says it, he says it here for a reason. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. It's a packed house. Now this morning, there's a similar situation happening here. It's not a packed house. There's room for more. We've got lots of people on holiday. Quite a nice group sprinkled around upstairs. Quite a nice group downstairs uh, as well. But we're not, we're not packed, or that we would be packed. But Jesus Christ is speaking here this morning. It's the same as it was 2,000 years ago. He's not physically here, but he's here by his spirit through the word. Here is a preacher. It's me this particular Sunday. And all a preacher does is, if he's worth his salt, 
He opens the Bible. He's done preparation of the week. He reads through a passage. He prays. He ponders. He prepares. And he brings the word of God. So I'm not bringing my own ideas here this morning. It's not politics. It's not uh, leisure. Uh, it's not my opinions or points of view. There's this new news channel, something or other news, and there's a, a guy there gets a, a pint out and he has a, a chat with, with somebody and they give their points of view. Well, I'm not here to give a point of view. I'm here to open up the word of God. And if I'm doing that, then it's the same situation here this morning as it was in Capernaum 2,000 years ago because it's Jesus Christ who is teaching and uh, he is present with power to heal. That's the thing. He is present with power to heal. And he will heal according to our needs. And on this particular morning, 2,000 years ago in Capernaum, the need was a paralysed man. He's the focus of attention. So my second letter P, we've done the picture, coming on to the second point. Only got three this morning. We could have a bonus session, more time for coffee. Here's the second P. The paralysis. The paralysis. So there's Jesus, the packed room, faces at the window, uh, the doorway. It's packed, flat roof, single storey. And uh, Jesus is, is teaching. He has power to heal. And behold, and behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. That's their aim. They've got a friend. He has a need. Luke introduces the uh, arrival of the paralyzed man with uh, this word, and behold, it's a Greek word, idu. And it means, get a look at this. Now let, let this grab your attention. Lo and behold, have a look, think about this, have a look at this, idu, gaze on this. Here comes a paralysed man. Now Luke tells us he's been brought by his friends. Mark tells us there are four of them. There's a certain logic about, about that. Uh, he's on his bed that he lies on almost constantly. And uh, they'll pick up a corner each. And they're making their way towards the house where Jesus Christ is. Now he's a paralysed man. We're not given the details whether it's just his uh, legs or whether it's all four of his limbs, we're, we're not told, but uh, he's not able to, to, to walk. We can certainly uh, deduce that. The implications for this man are, are great. So obviously he can't move, the physical implications. And because he can't move, then he can't work. And uh, there'd be no welfare state as such 2,000 years ago. And yet there was a kind of a welfare state that God had put in place in those Old Testament times, the giving of the law, that Israel was to care for the widow and the fatherless and the motherless and those who couldn't care for themselves. It would include the, the invalids and the elderly. 
And they were allowed to ask alms. And so maybe that's what he did. And there was nothing wrong with. It's quite pitiful today to see people uh, on the streets and they are they're begging. They have a little bowl. I was walking through Queen Street uh, yesterday. There was a man with a guitar. Now he was absolutely hopeless. It was terrible. But I thought, well, good. He's doing what he can. He's doing what he can. Others are just sitting in the haunting look in their eyes and do pray for uh, Paul and others. There's Gemma and there's, uh, I think, Oliver, you were out this, uh, this week uh, as well. And others from the church have done this in the past and, and still doing it. But th- there's a need. There's a need. But it wasn't like that 2,000 years ago. It was accepted that people would do that. That was their need. And Israel was commanded to give help to those who were in need. They gave their tithes, their offerings and their arms. But here's, here's the man. He cannot move. He's dependent on others. And us here this morning, here we are. What's your need this morning? If we went round individually and I would ask, you know, what, what's your need? What's your particular need this morning? There'd be diversity of needs. Uh, some are obvious. We think about folks who aren't here because they can't be here because of their obvious needs. Some are obvious. Some are hidden. Many are hidden needs. We have various needs here. But there's one common denominator for each and every one of us. There is one chief need that's common to all. And that is that we are sinners before a holy God. And that's our most urgent, most pressing need and condition. Because other things are temporary and will pass. The paralyzed man, his paralysis would pass at his death. But his condition of sin would remain for the whole of eternity. And if you have financial need this morning, it's a relationship need, or it's a family situation, or a work situation, it's economic, physical, uh, emotional, whatever it might be, it will pass. Death is the great ender, but it never ends sin and its consequences. The consequences of sin last for eternity. And we're not going to get on to the fourth P this morning, which is priority. But that's the key thing here. The priority is that our sins are forgiven. But as sinners, we've got a paralysis. And I want you to see this. Sin paralyzes us in such a way that we of ourselves cannot move. To God. We cannot do anything about our situation. Now the world might tell you, well, religion will help. It will not. Say your prayers. Has no effect on sin. Read the Bible. Has no effect on sin. Take yourself to church. Has no effect on sin. We are paralyzed. We cannot move to God. And God is our central sphere and son. He's the one who we need above all. He's the source of all goodness and light and life. 
Heaven is his dwelling place. It's where we desire to be. But we can't get there. We cannot move towards God. More than that, we will not move towards God. We simply will not. We'll move to church. Oh, it's all right to go to church. I'll, I'll do that. We'll read the Bible. That's okay. We'll say our prayers. That's acceptable. We'll move to church, to chapel, to services, to baptisms. We'll move to Bible reading, reading good books about uh, God and, and Jesus and the gospel. We'll move to saying our prayers and prayer meetings and ladies' meetings and men's meetings and kids' meetings and kids' clubs. But we will not move towards God. We will not have this one to rule over us. When Jesus enters Jerusalem, remember his, his words, Oh, Jerusalem, how often would I have received you? I was willing, but you were not willing. And this is sin. Paralysis. Paralysis. Stuck in sin. Paralyzed. It's one of the hymns that we sing, And Can It Be? And it's the fourth verse. All the hymn books have been hidden away. Oh, no, there's one here. Found the hymn book. Looking forward to the day we can have a hymn book back in our hands. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Sin. It'll take me to church. I can go to church with, with sin. I can desire to go. I can quite enjoy it. I quite enjoy going to church. But you don't enjoy going to God. That's too much. He demands the Ten Commandments. He'll not change them. Not one jot will pass. I can pray, but I won't go to God. Sin, this paralysis. Now, if we wanted to go a little bit deeper this morning, and uh, you could do some reading in the afternoon. There's no farm church. And I'm, we're thinking we, we'd invited some folks for lunch. They couldn't make it. So John and I looked at each other and said, well, and there's no thought, we'll have an afternoon. And, and Will and Sarah are away as well. They're going to her mum and dad's for lunch. Did you know that, uh, Linda and James, if you're watching at home? So it'll just be me and Jill. I don't know why I'm saying this. Oh, yeah. If you want to go a little bit deeper and you've got time this afternoon, you could get uh, a little book or go on to Google and look at uh, Total Inability. There's a little an acronym, TULIP, and it's uh, some system of, of theology. You know, the system of theology I love is Jesus Christ. That's my creed. He's the one I want to talk about. Yeah. High above anything else. But there is th this thing called TULIP. It's a useful system. It begins with our position. We are totally unable to move to God. Totally unable. Total inability. Well, this man has got some friends, and we learn about his, his friends. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus. That's their aim. Not to get him to the building, that wasn't enough. And in the end, when they got to the building, they couldn't get to him. It's not enough to come to the building. 
They want to get their friend to Jesus. And that's where you have to be, my friend, and I have to be. If we're not yet Christians, we need Jesus. If we are Christians, we need Jesus Christ. And these friends, oh, they're wonderful friends. What friends to have? Who will bring their friend who's in need. They could have just carried him around the village and taken him off to the seaside. Oh, I do like to be beside the seaside. And they could have shown him, put him in a boat, taken him for a row and back again. Little picnic, uh, caught some fish with him and uh, roasted them on the barbecue and then taken him back home. Oh, what lovely friends. That's good. But these friends, oh, they're very, very special. See, fish, he wants some more fish uh, uh, again, but they, bring, they want to bring him to Jesus. Now, I, I'm wondering, we're not told, was it that the friends suggested to the paralyzed man, let's take you to Jesus? Did it come from the friends? We don't know. Did it come from the man himself? Did he send a request to his friends? I've heard about this miracle work of Jesus Christ who has compassion on those in need. Will you take me to him as you know, I'm immobile, would you please take me? Was it the friends made the suggestion? Was it the paralyzed man made the suggestion? We don't know. Whatever it was, they came bringing him. They came bringing him. And they brought him as he was. To be healed of his paralysis, that's their aim. And we're told again by Luke, and the power of the Lord was with him, that's Jesus, too heal why have they come well they've they've heard all that's been going on in Capernaum they've seen the results of what Jesus has done and they draw this conclusion what he's done for others he can do for our paralyzed friend but the question is this I want to bring out now why do they come now? Because Jesus has been many times in Capernaum. Uh, Mark brings that out. He returns to Capernaum. And Luke's telling us all about his deeds in Capernaum. There's quite a series. But the paralyzed man didn't come yesterday, or the day before, or the week before, or the month before. Jesus had been often in Capernaum, but they didn't bring him yesterday. Why do they bring him today? They come now. Why do they come now? Because they believe now. Now they believe. And so they bring their friend now. Yesterday they didn't believe. So they didn't bring him. But now they believe. And so they bring their friend. And they have one aim. They're seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus. The house isn't enough. It's Jesus that they want to bring him to. They must bring him to. Now, what about you? What about me here this morning? Let's think now if you're not yet saved. Can Jesus save you? And what do I mean by saved? I mean, to have that wonderful relief of your sins being forgiven, past, present and future. To be saved means this, to come to know God, not just know about him, but to have that encounter with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And to have him not as a vague being, but as your heavenly father. And uh, to know that when you die as you must, you're going to go to a glorious place called heaven. Not a vague hope or a maybe or a wishful thinking, 
but a, a firm certainty in your heart that you're going to this place called heaven and this world is very temporary and your life in it is very temporary and it's Jesus who can save because of who he is and what he's done. It's Jesus who's here this morning. He's present with power to save you. Do you recognize that? He can save because of who he is. He's the second person of the one triune God. One being, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus, the second person of the one triune God. He left the glory of heaven. He came to this planet. He took a human body like yours and mine with a human nature like yours and mine, apart from one great difference, vital, a human nature without sin, spotless, clean, perfect. He didn't stop being God, but he lays aside the manifest glory and he takes himself, uh, he's found in fashion, in appearance as a man, because he is a man. He's one person, but he has two natures, fully God, fully man. And now, he can help me with my greatest need. To know God, I must live a perfect life and I can't do it. So as a man, Jesus lives a perfect life. He keeps the Ten Commandments. He keeps it in all detail. Actions, words, thoughts. So he never had a sinful thought, a sinful motive. It's all about God the Father. It's all about his fellow man. Never about him. His life was a life of self-giving and sacrifice and self-denial and serving the purposes of his heavenly father. That's what we should do, but we can't. It's sin, so Jesus does it for us. But more than that then, my sin means I must die. The wages of sin is death. God will not lower the penalty, but Jesus pays it for me. Jesus paid it all. All the debt. He took my hell. That's Calvary. Eh? Some say, oh, how do I know God loves me? Look at Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Jesus paying the penalty, not just for sin, but for your sin. That in my place condemned, he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. And when you see it, he lived for me, he died for me, he rose again. Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying for me. When I recognize it, I come to him. And church won't do. And singing hymns won't do. Although we come to church and we sing hymns. Saying prayers won't do. It won't suffice. Because I must know him. He is here because of who he is and what he's done with power to save. So come to him. This is the gospel. Come to him and do that now repent and believe on the lord jesus christ my final p for this morning that second p lasted a long time we're eating into coffee time now but it's fairly brief now this final one persistence so picture paralysis persistence when they get to where jesus is there's a problem verse 19 but Finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they turned round and they went home. End of the story, final hymn. No, no, of course not. But 
when they got to the house, finding they couldn't get in, they decided to go to the seaside and have a jolly day out by the seaside instead. End of the story. Still paralyzed, still lost in his sin. No, no, they didn't do that. Persistence. Persistence is quite something that they do. You see, true faith is, is obvious, it's galvanized, it's action. If somebody's found here this morning with true faith, we'll swap them. We'll swap them. They'll stand out like a sore thumb. So much unbelief around, then faith, oh, it really, really shines. And it really, really stands out. Listen to what they do. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, the doorway, the driveway, the garden, the windows, it's packed. They went up on the roof. So up the stairway, onto the roof. And Mark gives us more detail. They, he must be around, listening. This is where he is. He's speaking, I can hear, right, he's, he's down, he's down here. And uh, they begin to take the roof apart. They went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. See their faith in action. They don't go home. There's a persistence here. Maybe you think, well, look, I've tried going to church and it didn't work. I tried. You make people say, well, I've, I've tried being a Christian. No, you haven't. Because once saved, always saved. Once you've tasted him, there's nothing quite like it. Nothing quite like it. There's a wondrous attraction and beauty in Jesus Christ. If you found churchianity, that's hopeless. I wouldn't give tuppence for it. If you found religiosity, I wouldn't give tuppence for it. Reading the Bible, worthless apart from finding him. Christians, oh, I've been to church and look at the people there. Listen, it's not about us, it's about him. Now, I ought to reflect him. But I'm a pretty poor reflection of Jesus Christ. But I ought to be pointing you to him by my lifestyle, my concern, my conversation. But I'm a poor reflection of the real thing. It's Jesus Christ who you need to find. Now persist, persist, persist. These friends, they know it's only Jesus that can help their friend. They're not going to go home. I don't know how far they've come. They're not going home. The bed, the man on it is pretty heavy. Let's say they've come from, from Caffili to St. Melons over the mountain. Not going back with him. Oh, I expect him to be healed and he expects to be healed. There's a persistence. They go up on the roof and outside, well, they tear away the tiles. There are beams going across and then it's lath and plaster types of mud and twigs that they tear away. Now, inside, it's interesting. Jesus is preaching. There's the uh, religious people and the common people all packed in at the windows. And they sit in this bed, go up on the, uh, the stairs, those outside. And then inside, bits of dirt are falling down and twigs. And they're, oh, is, it, is it a bird? And the hall gets bigger and there's more debris. Now, debris falling down on Jesus Christ and round and round about. People are starting to move and make way. There's a bit of a crush. And then four heads. Yeah, he, he's there. And then her bed is lowered down. And oh, Hezekiah, the paralyzed man. They will get him to Jesus. He's the only one 
who can help their friend. There's a great cost to their faith. They'll have to pay for the repairs to the roof. That's no barrier. Persistence. They will get their friends, their friend to Jesus. Let's just close with this then. Do you want to be saved this morning? Have you caught a glimpse of what Christianity is? Do you want to be saved? Because Jesus is here with power to heal. He is this morning. The question is, do you want to be saved? If you do, you'll stand out. You won't go home without him. You will not. Don't go home without him. And if you are a Christian, is there some mercy that you desire this morning? The salvation of a friend? Is it a personal need? As a church, do we have any needs? What about the need for a new pastor? Are we making much progress? We haven't had an email from the elders recently. Are we making much progress? Is there much prayer? There's a monthly prayer meeting, but we don't have to wait for once a month. We ought to be persistent. Luke 18 and verse 1, finish with this. And he told them a parable to the effect, they ought always to pray and never give up. They ought always to pray and never give up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this all too brief time. In your word, looking at this magnificent account of history 2,000 years ago, you were present with power to heal. We thank you that this morning, because of your life and death and resurrection, you're present with power to save and to meet the deepest needs of every human heart here this morning. Oh, we pray that faith might be found in each of our hearts if we're coming to you for the first time, faith to be saved. If we have been saved and we're growing a little bit rusty and fuzzy at the edges, oh, sharpen us, we will pray. Shine on us that we might shine to others and help us to come to you praying for those who can't pray for themselves, bringing our friends, carrying our friends and laying them before you. Help us, we pray, in our fellowship together now, in Jesus' name.